broadcasting from the famous Jersey Shore. This is Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. And my name is Joe Reynolds, Executive Director of Save Coastal Wildlife, an environmental nonprofit dedicated to educating people about the preservation and protection of coastal wildlife along the Jersey Shore. And the awesome music you hear in the background throughout the podcast tonight is from Apache Tomcat. It's a band out of Texas, near Austin, Texas, a cool place to be, and they have graciously agreed to offer their music for our podcast tonight. To listen to more of Apache Tomcat's music, go to the Free Music Archive at www.freemusicarchive.org and just type in Apache Tomcat, Apache Tomcat. And I'm joined tonight by two good friends and fellow Safe Coast Wildlife members, Hey, it's me, Jen. Hi, it's Samantha. Hello, ladies. So great to have you tonight. Welcome. Thanks. So great to be here. So great. So you know, Jen and Samantha, have you ever thought about how much people like small or tiny things? They're cute. They are. You know, we love baby animals, no matter how ugly or scary they may be when they get older like baby bears, baby sharks, baby mice, baby octopuses, or even baby dragons. There's no such thing as a baby dragon. Uh, well, there's the Komodo dragon. Yeah, but not like Game of Thrones dragons. Yeah, no, they're real. That yeah. is real, based they're on real. a true story. Yeah, oh, they're real. Really? I'm sorry. Yeah. Now I'm embarrassed. <laughs> There's a whole industry, Jen, for dolls and doll houses because people like small things. There is a movement for tiny houses, small cars, tiny electronics, tiny uh, uh, cell phones, different things like that. But why is that? I don't know. Yeah. So researchers show that when it comes to animals, the smaller and more stereotypical baby a human or animal looks, the more we want to protect it, and it makes us smile. Aww. I'm smiling right now. Yeah. Well, another discovered that photos of babies trigger a part of the brain region implicated in the anticipation of a reward for us. In fact, in a 2009 study, scientists reported that participants that viewed very cute images of puppies and kittens performed better in a children's game called Operation. You guys remember Operation? Yes, it was a very stressful game. Definitely anxiety-inducing. Mm-hmm. Do they still have operation today? Uh, yes. Operations where you have like little forceps or something, mm-hmm. tweezers. You've got to mm-hmm. put the spleen back in the spleen yeah. compartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then if you hit the sides. It electrocutes you. Yeah, and you die. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Good times. High yeah. stress. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that game operation when they were putting like the forceps, I guess, into um, puppies and kittens, pictures of puppies and kittens, participants... Um, actually did better because uh, they saw these images and say we got to protect the animals but when they put in pictures of like me in there Mm -hmm. they were actually like uh, who cares about it and they did were actually worse on the game oh you're cute though so thanks Jen Mm -hmm. so research in Japan found that cuteness improves our performance at times when we need to be careful flimsy tiny furniture and other miniature collectibles may seem cute because we know that they could break unless we handle them uh, with care in addition, in addition, small objects, by virtue of their size, tend to pose little danger to us, so it seems. One of the critical features that makes the thing cute is the absence of feeling threatened. Oh. So let's see. Small equals less threatened things. 
and put a smile on our face. Mm -hmm. We want to take care of it. Small things are good, right? Yeah. Okay. But, but not all, not all small things are cute or pose a little danger. In fact, sm uh, some small things pose a great danger to human health and to the health and well-being of many wild and domesticated animals. And of course, I'm talking about microplastics. microplastics. Many people already know that lots of our beaches along the Jersey Shore and especially nearby wetlands and back bay beaches are littered with plastics from plastic straws, plastic bottles, plastic bottle caps, and plastic bags. You really can't go anywhere outside today and enjoy a park or some sort of public space without seeing some sort of plastic litter, big or small, look around, plastic is everywhere, everywhere. ladies. It's very sad. I can't go to a park or to the beach without a garbage bag. To yeah. pick it up, which really kind of puts a damper on things sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And weren't you talking about uh, beach whistles, Samantha? They're all over. Yes, they're a plethora of beach whistles. Yeah. By the way, if you're listening to this and don't know what a beach whistle is, uh, Google that right now and look for pictures of it. <laughs> and I think you might be uh, shocked. Don't blow in them. Plastic is made from fossil fuels. I don't know, not, not a lot of people realize that, but plastic is made from fossil fuels such as oil, petroleum, or natural gas, or a combination of both. It's unique because it's really non-biodegradable and therefore sticks around for a long time, like up to a thousand years or more. So I'll be dead and gone, and this plastic will still be here. And so, sadly, animals can get tangled up in plastic trash or ingest it because they think it's food, like a jellyfish that's floating around, but actually it's a plastic bag in the water. In fact, we, we, there's a number of sea turtles and animals that wash up dead every year along the Jersey Shore from ingesting plastic that they think is food. It's really, really sad. So that's sad, and we've talked about that before, but tonight we're focusing on something that's even worse than just a plastic bag or a six-pack ring, one of those plastic six-pack rings. Mm -hmm. We're talking about tiny things, tiny, tiny things. Research is now focusing on another form of plastic pollution called microplastics. So what are microplastics? What, can I pronounce that word, microplastics? Yeah. I assume it's very, very, very small plastics. Once again, Jen, you are totally correct. Yes. Microplastics are less than five millimeters in length or about the size of a sesame seed. Microplastics come in a variety of sources, including from larger plastic debris that degrades into smaller and smaller pieces. These tiny particles easily pass through water filtration systems and end up in the bay or the ocean, posing a potential threat to aquatic life. In fact, microplastics form through the wear and tear of larger pieces of plastic, including plastic bags, which we were talking about, plastic bottles, food containers. And a lot of this microplastic, believe it or not, comes from tires. Huh, really? So, yeah, believe it or not. Up to like 60% of the microplastics we find comes from bits and pieces of tires. Synthetic rubber is made from a variant of plastic, and that makes about 60% of uh, the rubber used in tires. Hmm. Other things is like fishing line, nylon, PVC, and other gear, and other synthetic materials that have not been properly thrown away. All this weathering from rain and tides and water, salt water, sunlight, or other physical stress breaks the plastic into smaller pieces. In addition, these plastic items become degraded by heat, UV light, 
um, oxygen and just the normal biodegradation process uh, like by living organisms like bacteria and things like that. These processes yield increasingly small particles that eventually can be classified as microplastics. And the beach environment, where we all love to go and walk around, like with your dog, or, or maybe you have kids. Well, I don't think you have kids, but maybe someday you might have kids. <laughs> Samantha, maybe someday you might have kids. Don't get ahead of yourself. <laughs> so, you know, we, we like to go to the beach. Well, with its abundant sunlight and very high temperatures at ground level, it could be a place where the degradation of plastics is taking place the fastest in New Jersey. On a hot sand, on the hot sand surface, plastic trash fades, becomes brittle, cracks, and it breaks down. In addition, high tides and wind pick up tiny plastic particles and eventually add them to the growing great garbage patches found in the oceans, including right here off the Jersey Shore in the Atlantic Ocean. A lot of people realize that there is a garbage patch in the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, since beach pollution is a major contributor of microplastic pollution, Beach cleanup efforts turn out to be much more than aesthetic exercises. We need to clean up the small stuff. When lots of people go to the beach to clean up stuff, yeah. they want to clean up the, the big stuff. They want to remove the, the tires and the plastic bags and the plastic bottles. But in actuality, we should be spending just as much time looking for the small things, yeah. the little tiny things, the little bits and pieces of plastic. It never, ever really goes away. It just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. But it doesn't, plastic never goes away. No. And so here's the thing also, too. I like wearing fleece. I like wearing, especially now, it's getting colder. It's fall. I like wearing fleece jackets and fleece hats and things like that. But what's fleece made out of? I'm going to guess plastic. Yeah. yeah so it's synthetic clothes <laughs> synthetic clothes or blankets fleece blankets all that stuff when we wash it you know what happens the fibers come off and get into your water system your sewage system Ugh. and it doesn't pick up and it gets out into the ocean and at the bays ruined yeah it's like you can't so I, i'm telling friends and family right now i like wearing fleece i'm not going to give it up right now but I'm not going to wash it yeah, as much. Just don't wash it. So it might smell a little bit. So you might not want to hug me as much that's during the what that during the fall <laughs> during the fall and winter. You might not want to hug me so much. Okay. The constant washing of synthetic clothes or blankets can release microplastics into the environment. Tiny synthetic fibers are loosened in the water from every wash. Large numbers of these tiny synthetic fibers slip undetected through the water treatment plants and into rivers, estuaries, and the ocean. For example, washing just one fleece jacket of 680 grams loses almost a million fibers at a time. Wow. That is, yeah, isn't that huge? Just one jacket, a million fibers. That is incredible. And the textile industry is one of the largest producers of a specific type of microplastics. Most of our clothes contain fibers which are made out of plastic. Regular wear and tear of synthetic fibers such as polyester, nylon, and uh, acrylics, I think it's acrylics, mm -hmm. produces what are called microfibers. Everyday washing of clothes produce microfibers, uh, which they travel to your local wastewater treatment plant, where up to 40% of them enter rivers, lakes, and oceans. Dryers are also responsible for a large amount of the microfiber, uh, microfibers, which are ejected into the air, and once again, end up at our lakes, rivers, and also perhaps into our tap water. So there is like, Microplastics everywhere. 
where we look, right? Currents are carrying microplastics into our coastal and marine waters. These tiny plastic particles can be harmful to fish as they become trapped in gills or digested to leave the fish feeling full even though there's no nutrients in that stomach or digestive tract, causing a fish or sea turtle or something to starve to death. Drinking water supplies around the world and fish in our food chains have also been found to contain microplastics. That, it, that means we contain microplastics. Yes, yeah, it's true. Every generation that's being born contains more and more chemicals inside their system. So I have more chemicals, like synthetic stuff in my system, than my father or parents or grandparents, great-grandparents. Like, like my great-grandparents probably just had, like, blood. A little but mercury and lead. Now I've got like microplastics and PCBs and dioxins and all this crazy stuff in my system, and this is why I look like crap. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not that, you know, all that heavy drinking I did back in the 1980s. So, you know, also, for example, in, in tw a 2018 study found that sea scallops. Now, how many people like to eat scallops? Lots of people, right? I like eating scallops. Even I eat scallops. Yeah. Caught off the coast of England are capable of ingesting billions of tiny plastic particles. Which, which ladies? No central nervous system, but many plastics. Yeah, so much for that. <laughs> it goes through their entire body, the kidneys, the gills, the muscles, and other organs, all within like six hours. Six hours, you've got like millions of pieces of microplastics in, in just a single scallop. But this is not only taking place in England. Right here in the United States, it's taking place. In 2016, researchers at Vancouver Island University, which is a really nice place to go to, it planted thousands of clams and oysters across coastal British Columbia and let them soak in the sand and salt water of the Strait of Georgia. Three months later, just three months later, they found a rainbow of little plastic particles in that shellfish. That's incredible. That's disgusting. So when you eat clams and oysters... You're eating plastics as well. And I could tell you, you don't need to go far to find a rainbow of plastics in shellfish. Researchers right here in New York and New Jersey are looking uh, at our shellfish, and they're finding microplastics. I don't know how much microplastics, but they're finding it in our shellfish here along New Jersey and New York and New England. Microplastics have also been found in canned fish. Numbers identified were low, however, so the average consumer might only eat up to five microplastics uh, from a portion of fish. And the particles found might also come from the canning process or from air. Not sure if it comes from water or air because microplastics are all over the place. And another marine food, so uh, food source of microplastics is sea salt. How many people like to put sea salt on their food? Just one kilogram can contain over 600 microplastics. I use a lot of sea salt. Yeah. I'm definitely guilty. I wash my teeth with sea salt. Nice. Yeah. So I'm putting microplastics in my mouth. <laughs> if you eat the maximum daily intake of five grams of salt, this would mean you would typically consume three microplastics a day. Three, three fibers, I guess. Although many people eat much more than the recommended amount. How many calories are in microplastics? <laughs> that's, that's my question. Yeah, that's why I'm getting fat. It's too much microplastics. Exactly. Too much microplastics in my diet. It's the microplastics <laughs> building up. There's also evidence that microplastics in food come from indoor dust. Just by breathing alone, you are ingesting microplastic, ladies. I can't even breathe anymore. Can't have scallops and I can't breathe. Or, I can't have salt, or, more importantly. Yeah, or, or where do my laundry? 
it's all ruined. A recent study estimated that we can get an annual dose of almost 70,000 microplastics from the dust that settles onto our dinner. And that's only one, only one of our daily meals. <laughs> don't eat. Don't wash your clothes. Don't breathe. No. I'm just going to dig a hole and jump in. I kid oh, you not when I say... probably plastic <laughs> in the dirt, though. <laughs> I kid you not when I say plastic is all over the place. There is even some studies suggest that microplastics can be found in our drinking water. This is not a horror story, ladies and gentlemen. This is not some, like, I'm not giving you, like, a horror movie, the synopsis from, like, Netflix or something. Are you sure? This is not, it's like, not Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Yeah, it's not a Halloween trick. No, this is real. We are being attacked by microplastics. They are literally everywhere. That's frightening. Yeah. And disturbing and depressing. And what do we do, Joe? So, you know, this is what's really scary. This Halloween, I was thinking about dressing up um, as uh, for Halloween as Florence of Nightingale. Or Florence Nightingale. You know who she is, right? Mm-hmm. It's Florence Nightingale, the famous English uh, social reformer and the founder of modern nursing who became famous while serving as a manager and trainer of nurses during the Crimean War. I always like dressing up um, as powerful women. For Halloween, because I noticed that women don't do that. They often dress up as slutty nurses or like prostitutes or cowboys, slutty cowboys. So I like to dress up as powerful women. So you're not going as slutty, Florence Nightingale? <laughs> <laughs> that I'd like to see. Yeah, so Florence Nightingale, she was, she was really the one that uh, brought nursing, modern nursing today. So I was going to dress up as her, but I was going to wear nylon tights to cover my hairy legs. Now I can't even do that because mm. nylon, it's plastic. plastic. So now I just got to go with hairy legs. You could shave your legs. It's true. That takes a lot of time and effort. Tell me about it. Yeah, really. Cry <laughs> me a river. <laughs> Don't forget nurdles, ladies. Well, nurdles. Nurdles. How can Nurdles. Never stop thinking about them. Nurdles are small plastic pellets about the size of a lentil. Uh So we had like a sesame seed, now lentils. And uh, the nurdles, so you have a fleece jacket, right? Nurdles is what they make that fleece jacket and that vest out of. I thought fleece was made of sheep. (laughs) (laughs) No? Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, maybe at one point not in time. Anymore, yeah. yeah, not anymore, no. Countless nurdles are used each year to make nearly all our plastic products, including fleece jackets and vests, but many uh, end up washing up onto our coast. Spills from tanker ships and mishandling by industry can mean nurdles end up in our estuaries and oceans. And unlike large pieces of plastic, nurdles are so small that they largely go unnoticed by the public. They can easily blend in with beach sand. They often appear as tiny pebbles or grains of sand. Scientists are now becoming increasingly concerned about their effort on human health and our coastal ecosystem. In fact, ladies, when we were doing uh, this is just some early studies of microplastics on, uh, on the northern Jersey Shore a couple weeks ago, we found so many nurdles all over the place. And what's kind of interesting is uh, I didn't even know what nurdles looked like. I never saw them before. And they looked like tiny little bits of sand or pebbles. And then when you start touching them and they're soft, and I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, they're, they're plastics, but they blend in so easily. And so how much nurdles are along the Jersey Shore, you know, you don't know because they blend in so uh, perfectly with, with the environment, the local environment, the beach environment. 
scary. Yeah, oodles of nurdles. Yeah, so not a lot is known about microplastics or nurdles along their Jersey Shore and their impact. Think about this, you know, how many people walk their dog or how many people have kids and, you know, dogs and kids, they're constantly putting stuff in their mouths, including sand. If they're putting sand in their mouth, is that having, you know, are they ingesting nurdles or microplastics, right? So not a lot of, is not, not a lot is known about microplastics along the Jersey Shore and what kind of impact it's having to people. And our concern, of course, is wildlife, coastal wildlife with gulls and whales and dolphins and seals and seabirds and just, you know, turtles and things like that. So members of Save Coastal Wildlife and a really great group called Plastic Wave Project, we're teaming up. We're leading an effort to research this topic along the northern Jersey Shore. So we're looking for volunteers. Just a couple of days ago, we had a training session. We're going to be uh, doing some more training sessions to educate people on ways to look for microplastics. And it's just, it's, it's, a, it's an education project. It's a way to educate people about microplastics in our local environment along the Jersey Shore. Um, you know, we, we talk about microplastics. We bring up studies about England and Vancouver and all these places far away, but we don't think that microplastics are here along the Jersey Shore or Long Island, but they are. And the only way really people are going to realize that is to go out and find themselves. So we're educating people on finding, on ways to find the microplastics. We're teaching them how to use sieves. We're teaching them uh, how to uh, look for microplastics in the sand. It's important to know where the plastics are located and what concentrations they might be along the Jersey Shore. Our project uh, with the Plastic Wave Project will provide an opportunity to gather large amounts of data that can be analyzed, mapped, and be made available to the public for further research and study. And while a few scientists have already begun to look at ways to clean up some of the microplastic waste, which could remain in the environment for at least several hundred years, if not a thousand years, cleanup is difficult because the plastic particles are small and they're just everywhere. Researchers have found, however, that there are enzymes and bacteria that may break down certain types of plastic, but they need to figure out how these might be deployed without any potential negative side effects to people or further to the environment, such as producing greenhouse gases. So I don't know. You know, there's just a lot of uh, mystery and a lot of confusion when it comes to microplastics, but, you know, it just seems like it's everywhere. We've been using plastics since when, the 1950s? Before that, um, World War II, they started using plastics. Real. I'm thinking of the movie The Graduate. I'm when The Graduate came, that was the 1960s, right? I'm Dustin Hoffman, of, um, the original one with Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, plastics. But didn't they, they talked about it in It's a Wonderful Life, too, didn't they? I thought. No, did they really? I thought so, yeah. I, I didn't pick that one Some up, really. Somebody <laughs> So it's been around for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, and now we're starting to see that are used or overused because you know don't get me wrong there is some good uses of plastic you know plastic in the medical industry has been a wonderful thing you know they're making hearts and body parts out of plastic and that's a great thing and don't get me wrong but it's our overuse of plastic we just tend to go overboard and use plastic for everything nowadays yeah. especially single-use plastic right yes. absolutely and every time I go to the store and I want, like yesterday I bought a card. It had to come wrapped in plastic, really. Like, I was like, well, so now I can't buy these cards because they're wrapped in plastic. And every, it's everywhere. Yeah, it's, you don't even think about it's it. It's too much packaging. And all that packaging is plastic. Mm -hmm. 
So you're probably really getting really depressed. I know every time we do these podcasts, Seriously. Jen always thinks about committing suicide. Oh, my God. I'm just going to, like, heave myself off a building or something. Yeah. Every time we have one of these, they are depressing. Yeah. So we have some ways to, to help limit your use of microplastics, right? So don't rely on other people. You got to do it yourself. Everybody's got to do something. Right. So here's several ways to help limit microplastics entering the environment and your body. Okay, ready? Here we go. Buy. Number one, buy a water filter. Stop using bottled water. Most carbon block filters with a micron rating of two or less will remove microplastics. Is that what you have, Jen? Yeah, right there on the faucet. Yeah. So get a, get a, water, a water filter if you can. Beautiful, Jen. Thank you. And then also buy non-synthetic, eco-friendly clothes. Brands like Slow Active. You ever heard of them, Samantha? are creating ocean-friendly swimwear and wetsuits. I don't know. What I don't know what that means. Is that going to fall apart if you go swimming? <laughs> it's biodegradable. It's biodegradable. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, use it once. <laughs> it's going to fall apart. I don't know. you got to test these things out. Don't trust me. No. But uh, there is, you know, try it if you can. Just lessen the amount of synthetic clothes you buy or just don't wash them as much as what we're doing. Bedding as well, too. And you got to watch out for all this synthetic clothes and blankets and all this stuff. If you can, try to buy cotton, though cotton has problems as well, too. They yeah. use a tremendous amount of fertilizers yes. and pesticides and water. water. So really, the fashion industry, here it is, 2019, soon to be 2020. And the fashion, fashion industry is just, it's, it has such great impacts on the environment. And I wish we could do something. And not many people that. realize it. Yeah, it's yeah, true. They don't get the bad rap, no pun intended, that a lot of other industries, consumer industries, get for plastic. I know. We pick on, like, Exxon. We pick on, like, airplanes. Mm-hmm. But the fashion industry is, right now, in its current form, is just so horrible when it comes to the environment. They have such great impacts. So we got to do something about that. Um, but if you can, just try to use clothing. Use cotton clothing is always good. If you could do that, wash it. Um, and then get a laundry bowl. Believe it or not, I found this online. So a laundry bowl catches microfibers that shed off your clothing in the water. Mm-hmm. There's a Cora bowl, C-O-R-A, Cora bowl. Uh, it's, it's, like, it's inspired by like coral, coral filters in the ocean, and collects your micro, uh, microfibers into a fuzz that you can see. And then you could dispose of the microfibers in the right way, which what's the right way of disposing microfibers? I know, that was my next question. Then what do you do with it? <laughs> you keep it in the back of your closet. You make a giant ball out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you, make you go to Arizona and make a giant ball of microfiber fuzz. Yeah. It's a tourist trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you could air dry. Don't use the dryer. Air dry your clothes, especially during the summertime. It's better for your clothes, too. It smells nicer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless you live, like, in a, in a really polluted environment. Use public transportation if possible. Not always easy in New Jersey, uh, especially if you're not going to New York City or some metro area. Uh, but if you could use public transportation, uh, use it or ride a bike or something like that. And then also, one of my favorites, reduce your meat and fish consumption. Even better, try to go vegan. We always encourage people to go vegan here at Save Close to Wildlife. Even for a day a week. Meatless yeah. Mondays? Yeah. It's not hard. Veggie Taco Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> All right. 
So that's it. That's all from us. So if you have any questions, please email us. You can email me at uh, J Reynolds. I think it's J Reynolds. I think that's my email address. Dre, J, letter J, R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S, at safecoastofwildlife.org. Otherwise, thanks for uh, tuning in and listen to our podcast. Don't forget to download our podcast. Don't forget to become a subscriber. Please become a subscriber of Save Coast of Wildlife for the podcast. We want to spread the word about what's happening along our coast and to educate people about ways to save coastal wildlife. So until next time, thank you, ladies. I love you both. Thank you so much. Thank you. Rock on, Joe. See you guys later.